0: Good morning, man, I have missed you guys the last couple of weeks, Uh, man, I'm so thankful to be back with you guys. Uh, Our family has, uh, I think, recovered from COVID, and uh, we we are so glad to be back with you guys. Guys, I'm Thomas. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, if you are new with us, we just want to say welcome to you once again, and man, we would love to celebrate you being with us by donating $5 to a charity, and uh, all we ask is that you fill out a connection card, and you can do that on your phone right now by going to jointhejourney.church under I'm new, and right there at the top of the page is a thing that asks for your name and email address, fill that out and you'll get an email back from me immediately. If you don't see it in your inbox, check your junk mail. It may have gone there, but then just respond to that and let us know which of those charities you want us to donate that $5 to. We would love to celebrate uh, you being with us and we would love to connect with you. Guys, just a couple of announcements before we get into our new series on David. All right, um, First, October the 23rd, We will not be here, it's a Sunday morning, we will not meet here at the movie theater. We're going to meet down at Roanoke Christian Camp off of River Road for worship. Same time, 10 o'clock. But the only thing that will be different besides us being down at the camp and being together is that we're going to have lunch together. Um, So we're going to have king chicken, uh, chicken plates there. Uh, But what we need you to do is we need you to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet on the table in the back. So make sure over the next couple weeks, if you don't do it today, sign up. Let us know how many people you're going to have with you so we can make sure that we have enough plates ordered. It's going to be $5 per person, uh, and you can pay in between now and then. You can pay that day uh, and and give the money to either to me or to Ed uh, just so we can kind of keep track of uh, everybody that's paid and all that stuff. So, again, that's October 23rd. I know it's a month away, and, like, you're not planning for next week, but we need to go ahead and plan. So make sure you sign up, sign your family up for that. Okay, one last announcement. On October the 6th, it's a Thursday night, we are going to be partnering with some of the school systems. They're going to be doing a movie night down at the waterfront. And uh, we're going to partner with them and help provide water and chips for all the families that are going to be there. And so we need a couple of people uh, to help us hand those things out, hand out the water and chips. Uh, And so if you would like to do that, please come and talk to me. I know we have uh, Paula has emailed me and said that she's going to help. And so we'll have a couple people out there. But we love love to have you uh, plug into that and help serve in that area. It's going to give us a great opportunity not only to help serve uh, this event, but also to get to meet some of the kids and their families uh, in, that are in some of our schools. Um, and so a great opportunity for us to get to know people in the community. All right, let's dive in to our new study. So today we are starting a new series that we were supposed to start three weeks ago, Um, but today we're going to kick it off and we're going to be looking at the life of David. In in your high school yearbook you probably had superlatives, right? Um, You know those things best dressed, um, the class clown, most athletic, most likely to succeed, but one superlative that wasn't in your yearbook was least likely to succeed, right? I probably would have gotten that um, if it was in there, but it wasn't. So thankfully I didn't, okay? But David, if his family thought of him at all, probably would have voted him least likely to succeed. If they only knew what laid ahead, they would have thought differently, We can always find a headline telling us of a little-known challenger beating the highly regarded champion, and almost every time that we see this headline, it probably has the original against-all-odds scenario that we're going to look at today of David and Goliath. Whether it's in politics or business or sports, someone always mentions this sling-wielding boy beating the well-armed warrior of David and Goliath. They will always be the prototype of these type of victories, where uh, in every case the challenger wins because of their moxie to stare the big guy in the eye and not flinch. Skill and ability play into it a little bit, but courage produces the upsets. David famously enters into our biblical story uh, of Israel by defeating this giant Goliath as one of the most underdog stories in all of scripture. Here we have just this shepherd boy who was blessed by God and anointed by Samuel to become the next king. And in the meantime, he would not only serve the king as an armor bearer, but he would serve his father and his brothers by tending the flocks and protecting his father's sheep from bears and lions. But in our story today, when the Israelites are fighting against the Philistines, David's father is going to send him to take food to his brothers. But what ends up happening is he ends up fighting for the nation of Israel and fighting for God and showing us what it means to have courage even in the face of adversity. So again, this morning, we're going to be starting this new series looking at the life of David. Now, David, as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, was a complicated guy. He was a poet. He was a shepherd. He was a prophet. He was also a murderer. He was a king, and he was a man after God's own heart. But today, David is going to show us how to have godly courage in its elemental form. And only by looking at these individual components of courage can we learn to develop this godly trait in our lives as well. We want to see that real courage isn't a byproduct byproduct of ego, but real courage is a byproduct of something deeper, a deeper discipline and conviction. And when those are present, we can learn to fight with courage like David did. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we're going to be and pick up our story. But to give you a little context of where we're at in the storyline of the Bible and where we're at in the storyline of Israel, I want to share with you just a little background. You see, in the beginning, in the garden, God was king. His rule was over everything, and everything was perfect. Until we, Adam and Eve, humans, We rebelled against God's authority. We call that sin. And that sin caused a separation between us and God. And it also, we said, hey, God, we don't want you to be king anymore. And really, this is the story of all of scripture. We see this over and over again. We see God make a promise to Abraham that through your descendants, I will become king once again and will bless all of the nations. We see this promise. And then we see Abraham's descendants get carried off into captivity. We've got the story of Joseph that we're actually going to look at in a couple weeks. And then 400 years pass and they end up in slavery in Egypt. And then God comes and rescues his people Israel. To become their king once again. And yet again, they rebel against God's authority, even after God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and he comes back to find them already having rebelled against God's authority. So then what we have is the the Israelites wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, going to the land that God promised them that he would set up and be their king in, that he would rule and have authority over them, and everything will be starting to be put right once again. And then many years pass with God's rule and Israel's rebellion. And finally, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, we see Israel come right out and say it. They say, God, we don't want you to be our king anymore. We want to have our own king like the other nations. And God is so disappointed and Samuel, who was the high priest, was so disappointed. Samuel said, man, the people have rejected me. And God says, look, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as king. And so God allows them to set up a king an earthly king in Saul. So Saul is king, but Saul, who should have been trusting in God, who should have been uh, uh, leaning into God for courage, for strength, for leadership, had allowed his own ego to get in the way, and he had turned away from God. And so God had already set up to replace him with David even as we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 17. Here, the Israelite armies had gone out to fight against the Philistines who had time and time again gathered to fight against them. And they find themselves in this valley where they were going to fight at. But both armies are on each side of the valley. And here's actual picture of the valley this was taken this summer by one of my professors who was uh, there in uh, Jerusalem in the surrounding areas, and this was the, the valley where the battle was going to take place. And you see the hills on both sides, and so the Philistines and the Israelites were camped up on each side, and neither one of them wanted to come down and not have the high ground anymore. They had watched Star Wars, they, they knew that having the high ground was essential, right, Um and none of them wanted to come down and fight uphill, right? And so the Philistines had a suggestion. They sent out a warrior to, to taunt the Israelites and say, hey, why don't you send out your best champion to come out and fight against me? That's just the two of us. And we'll decide this battle. And whoever wins, uh, their, 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 their army would overtake the other army, right? Right? This is what the suggestion of the Philistines was, because neither one of them wanted to come and not have the high ground. Nothing less than national sovereignty was at stake. But it was David's firm belief in God's sovereignty that's going to enable him to persevere and to help fight for Israel. So let's pick up our story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start there in verse 4 and see this champion that was coming out against Israel. In verse 4, it says, A champion named Goliath from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor and bronze that weighed 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went out ahead of him. Let's pause there for just a minute. Because if you're like me, maybe you read some of that and you're like, all right, what does that mean, right? We don't weigh stuff like that anymore. We don't measure stuff like that anymore. So a cubit uh, was the distance between somebody's middle finger and their elbow, And a span was the distance between somebody's pinky and their thumb, right? So when it says here, uh, and it gives these measurements for Goliath, he was somewhere between 9 and 12 feet tall, depending on who was doing the measuring. He was a huge guy, okay? His armor weighed almost 125 pounds. If you've been in the military, you've probably carried quite a bit of weight, running through different places, right? But his armor alone was 125 pounds. His javelin, the head of the spear, was 15 pounds. This was a big guy, a big, scary guy. So he comes out day after day to taunt the Israelites with a proposal. Now, Israel, Israel, the champion that they would have sent out, should have been Saul. We learn about Saul a little bit earlier when he became king, that he actually stood a head taller than everyone else in Israel. He was a big dude himself. He should have been the one that was going out, plus he was the king of Israel. He should have been the one going out and fighting Goliath. But instead, he and the rest of Israel hid in fear. But let's look at what Goliath's proposal was. Look at verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "'Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come out to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects.'" But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were dismayed and terrified. I want you to think for a moment. What if you had been in the army of Israel and you were camped up on the hill and day after day, this huge guy comes out and says, hey, look, instead of all of our armies fighting against each other, you guys just send out one to fight against me and whoever wins the will decide the battle. How do you think you would have felt? I like to say that I would be bold and Be willing to go and fight for Israel, but honestly, I probably would be much like Saul and the rest of Israel and be terrified. But let's see how David, this young shepherd boy who wasn't even in the army, who had just come to bring food to his brothers, let's see how he responds when he hears this challenge of this giant. Look down at verse 23 of 1 Samuel 17. As he, talking about David, was talking with them, he was talking to his brothers, The Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. This was the first time David had heard this defiance that Goliath was giving. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him with great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man comes, uh, keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him, and he will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, if this had been the case, I might have changed my tune. Not having to pay taxes, whew, that's a big thing, right? David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David's response to Goliath was different from all of the rest of Israel, including King Saul's. David didn't run and hide in fear. His first question was, hey, what's going to happen to me when I defeat this guy? What's going to be my reward for defeating this guy, and removing the shame from Israel? David had courage and not fear. And David's courage reaches Saul's ears. Saul hears that finally somebody is courageous enough to stand up and fight this guy. So David comes to Saul and tells him that he will fight Goliath. But look at how Saul responds to David. Look at verse 33. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul looks at David and says, man, you're just a teenager. He's been fighting since he was a teenager. You can't go out and fight against him. Of course, the natural choice to fight against Goliath would have been King Saul, who, as we said, stood a head taller than everyone else in Israel. But he, like the rest of Israel, was awestruck by this seemingly invincible giant who stood over nine feet tall, who comfortably, comfortably wore 125 pounds of armor and carried a spear with a 15-pound warhead. Saul had refused to fight, reinforcing what we can see in Saul's life leading up to this point, his lack of trust in God, which would ultimately become his downfall. We see this in Saul's life in the chapters before this. Time and time again, he disobeys God, not trusting in God's plan. David, on the other hand, had proven his courage before. As we're going to see, he had killed both a lion and a bear to protect his father's sheep. And this lowly shepherd, David, was intrigued by the promise of reward of wealth and tax exemption and the princess's hand in marriage for the one who defeated Goliath. And naturally, David stepped forward and the rest, as they say, is history. David's defeat of Goliath was not just a defeat of Goliath but is a personal embarrassment to King Saul and, and what we see after this is that the people of Israel start recognizing David and this is really what set Saul's anger for David that he was embarrassed by what David would do. First, Goliath called for a man to come and fight him. Isn't that what he said? Why don't you send out a man? And what does Saul do? He sends out a boy. A boy is the only one who had the courage to go out and face him. Goliath's armor bearer went out to assist him, carrying his weapons for him, and Saul's armor bearer and David goes out and fights for him. This would have been a personal embarrassment for Saul. And then on top of that, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, whose warriors were legendary sling throwers. And the sling would have been perfect for this battle, enabling the fighter to keep their distance from this huge guy that they would have to fight. And David showed up Saul with a weapon that Saul most likely wielded and handled pretty well himself. Courage is a defining mark of a follower of God. Courage is a defining mark of someone who has God's heart. Courage was not something that Saul had, but it was something that David did. We see this all throughout scripture. Jesus shows us uh, God's fearlessness, which we as his followers should also have. In fact, as followers of Jesus, we should fear God alone. Fearlessness is a function of true faith, which believes not in our own strength and our own ability, but believes in God's presence and trust in God's promises. And in our story today, courage changes the entire course of David's life his entire future changes on this one fearless act. It moved him from a sheep shepherd to become a people shepherd and the king of Israel. So let's learn from David's courage and learn to draw courage even in the face of challenges. So the first thing that we can learn from David about courage is we can learn to draw courage from are past victories that God has given us. David had experience with a lion and a bear, and those past victories that God had delivered him from gave him the courage to fight against Goliath. Look there at verse 34 in what David says. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock. I went after it. And I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defiled the armies of the living God. David knew that God would give him victory because of the past victories that he had had. Because of his battle against the lion and the bear, David knew that in the same way that God would deliver him from this giant. Faithfulness in the small things had prepared David for faithfulness in the big challenges. And this would even become a small thing with the challenges that' still laid ahead of David. And friends, the same is true with us. When we have faithfulness in the small things, it prepares us for the larger tasks that are in our hand. We saw this in our study of James, right? Remember what James told us in James chapter one and verse two? He said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let uh, perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our past trials and our past victories should give us courage because they help us to trust God when things get difficult. Because we know that perseverance is being produced in our faith. We can have joy and courage even in the face of trials. We can be patient even in suffering because we can remember how God has prepared the way for us and how he has given us victories In the past. And I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what hardships or trials or suffering that you may have. I don't know what battles you may be facing. But I want you to know, like David, you can draw courage from past victories. Remember how God has delivered you thus far. Remember how God has brought you thus far. But not only can we draw courage from our past victories, but we can also draw courage from our spiritual perspective that God has given us. In Goliath, David didn't just see this 9, 10 foot, 11 foot guy that he had to battle but David saw the spiritual realities of what it was at stake. This guy wasn't just coming out to fight against David or fight against Israel, but this guy was coming out and defying the living God. And so this battle, what was at stake, what was going to be proven was the power of God. David saw the spiritual challenges, not just the physical ones. And so He knew that God would give him victory. Look at verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David saw not just the physical challenges that were ahead of him, but he saw the spiritual realities because he had a spiritual perspective on this battle. Friends, we can draw courage, just like David, from the spiritual perspective that God has given us. In fact, this is what Paul tells us to do Right, we, we need to see the spiritual realities behind the physical circumstances that we are in. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Brother Ernie shared this 1st didn't he? But against the rulers and authorities and against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, we can draw courage not only from our past victories, but we can draw courage from the spiritual perspective that God has given us. We need to see the spiritual realities of the physical circumstances that we're in and draw courage from God. You know, oftentimes when we're facing hardships or suffering or trials or difficulties, we are quick to start pointing the finger at other people aren't we? And we are quick to begin to blame other people for the difficulties that we're facing. But God has given us a different perspective, a spiritual perspective. Our struggle isn't against other people. It's against the spiritual forces of evil, or it's against our own uh, sinful desires that are battling within us. They're waging war within us. And for us to have victory, we need to trust in God. We can have courage from him. We must draw from his strength and see the spiritual realities of the battles that we're in. David didn't just see Goliath, but he had the spiritual perspective to see what was going on. Not only can we draw courage from our past victories, from the spiritual perspective, but we can learn to draw courage like David did from the skills that God had given us. David was given the opportunity to go out and fight Goliath with all of the armor that was available to him. And yet David goes with only the skills that God had given them. Look at verse 38. Saul says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head, because this is what warriors do. And David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. I cannot go out in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So David took them off. And then he took his staff, which he took all the time. He took his staff. In his hand, and he chose chose five smooth stones from the stream, and put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. David went out with the skills that God had given him. He took a sling rather than the conventional weapons of choice. God has given each and every one of us unique skills and ways for us to live, and to serve. And when we walk in those gifts and are true to who God has made us to be, we can have courage like David. We can draw courage from our past victories. We can draw courage from the spiritual perspective that God has given us. We can draw courage even in the face of difficulties with the skills that God has given us. And we can draw courage like David did from supernatural resources that God has given us as well. Goliath, he attacked with iron weapons, but David came and attacked with an iron hard faith, not in his own abilities, but in God himself. Look at verse 45 of what David says to Goliath. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine armies to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those who gathered here will know it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. David, attack not with iron weapons, but with an iron hard faith and trust in God. Friends, our weapons are, are the authority that God has given us of His name and the promises that he has given us in his word, and the assurance of his presence that he has given us. We see this lived out throughout the New Testament. Jesus told us as he was getting ready to ascend to the Father that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him, and he commissioned us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, He promises us that when we do, when we go out and we baptize and we teach them to obey, he promises that he will be with us. And so this assurance of his authority, of his name, and the promises and his presence with us should give us courage like it did for people like Peter and John. Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 had been arrested for preaching the name of Jesus after they had healed a lame man in the temple courts. And they had been threatened and beaten and told not to, to talk about Jesus' name anymore. And, and so Peter and John, with the courage that the promises that Jesus had given them, the courage that the authority of his name gave them, shares the gospel even to those that are threatening, him, threatening them to not preach in Jesus' name anymore. Listen to what... Those that had arrested Peter and John, Saul, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, says when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They realized it wasn't Peter and John that was uh, causing them to be uh, astonished. Their courage came from somewhere else they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John had courage, even in the face of threats and being arrested and being beaten, to share the good news of Jesus, no matter what, because they trusted In the supernatural resources that God had given them, just like David had done. Jesus has commissioned you and me to go and make disciples. And he promises us that he will be with us. Now here at Journey Church, we put it this way. We say that we want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. And Jesus' authority and his name and his promises should give us the courage to go out and to share that good news with others. To go and to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. Even if, like Peter and John, that means that we face being arrested or we face suffering. To do so, we can draw courage from God's presence and from His promises. Here at Journey Church, we say that we trust that Jesus is all that we need. (coughs) And we are being transformed by who He is and what He has done. Like David, we can draw courage from our past victories, we can draw courage from our spiritual perspective. We can draw courage from the skills that God has given us and we can draw courage from his supernatural resources of his promises and of his presence and the authority of his name. David was a young man but he trusted his life into the hands of God and he was found faithful. Goliath on the other hand had courage as well but his courage came from his own arrogance as a warrior and his own ego that built up by his giant size and his ability to defeat others. But then we also have Saul, who shows us that he had trusted in his own ability as well, and it caused him to hide in fear. Saul should have been the one. That went out to face Goliath. He should have been the one that was trusting in God as the king of Israel. He should have been the one that step up and face Goliath. But because Saul was looking at his own abilities and his own strengths, he finds himself hiding in fear with the rest of Israel. But David and Goliath both had courage, just two different types of courage. David had courage not found in himself but found in God and Goliath had courage that came from his own abilities. David was faithful, trusting that God would deliver him as he had delivered him from the lion and bear. And both of those prepared David to be faithful, to trust in God as a source of courage when he stood toe to toe with the giant. But even Goliath, was a small thing that David had to face that would prepare him for the much larger things that he would face in his life. So friends, let me ask you, what is going on in your life this week? Maybe no matter how small it may be that is calling for you to have godly courage. Man, maybe it's, maybe it's godly courage to... Speak up for for God in your workplace or in your neighborhood. Maybe God is calling you to be courageous in your actions and how you live or act or do. What's God calling you to be courageous in? Will you be found faithful to trust in God even in the small things? And will you allow him to prepare you for the giants that you have yet to face? How can you this week and how can I this week, like David, go in the mighty name of God? How might we be bold like Peter and John for Jesus this week? Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verse 13, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Friends, maybe this morning you are more like Saul or maybe more like Goliath than you are like David. Maybe you have been trusting in your own strength and your own ability and maybe you're starting to see that either that has you hiding in fear or standing in arrogance. I want you to know this morning that there is a better way. It's the way of God. You see, God has done for you and me what we could never do for ourselves. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. He's done for us what we can't do. He has defeated sin and death, and God raised him to life again, and God has anointed him as king of kings. You see, Israel had rejected God as their king, but God was working his plan to bring himself as king, not just of Israel, but of the whole world. And he has accomplished that through his son, Jesus. And what that means for you and me is that we can humble ourselves and we can stop trusting in our own strength and our own ability that's got us either hiding or standing in arrogance we can start trusting in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Maybe today you need to start trusting in him for the first time. Come and repent of your sins. Come and be joined in Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection through baptism. Come and submit your life to God. Come and humble yourself and trust in Jesus today. Man, if you're ready to do that or you want to talk about what that means, I'm going to be out in the lobby. Come, let's talk today. Come, let's have that conversation. Let's learn to draw courage from God like David did. From the past victories that he's given us, from the spiritual perspectives that he has given us, from the skills that he has given us, and from the supernatural resources of his authority, of his name, and of his promises, of his presence in our life. Let's learn to fight like David. Let's learn to fight like Peter and John. Let's learn to trust, not in our own abilities, but in God's strength. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this example that David has given us, that even though he was just a young boy, even though He was not a warrior. Father, that he stood up for you. And he allowed you to fight the battle that Israel was too scared to fight. And that through his actions, you were able to show yourself to the world at that time that you were the God of Israel. And that you were with them. And even though they had rejected you as their king, that you were still determined to become king. Not just of Israel, but of the whole world. And to set right all that we've messed up. Father, we thank you for the courage that your son Jesus had. That even though he didn't deserve to face death, He faced it for us. He had courage for us. He died for us. So, Father, help us to draw courage from his authority of his name. Help us to draw courage from the promise of his presence. Remind us of all the things that you have done to bring us thus far and help us to draw courage from you, and from your strength. So that we, like Peter and John, so that we, like the early church, can be bold for you. That we can share the good news of your son Jesus with those who are far from you. And help everyone discover their relationship with you. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for courage. Father, help humble us that, that courage won't come from our own arrogance and ego, but, Father, will only come from you. And Father, we ask all of this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we're going to move into our time of communion, and here at Journey Church, we invite all followers of Jesus to join us in this time of communion. If you didn't grab communion on your way in, you can just raise your hand, and we've got a couple guys in the back that will bring that to you right there at your seat. Uh, For us, communion reminds us of what Jesus has done on our behalf, how he has given his life for us um, and done for us what we can't do for ourselves. The bread reminds us of his body. The cup reminds us of his blood. So use this time, examine yourself, repent of your sins, and when you're ready, let's thank God for the courage that Jesus had for us to die in our place. When you're ready, let's partake and remember together.